Shalom, brothers and sisters in Christ from Trinity Methodist Church, Penang. I'm Yang Sun, the Executive Director of Malaysian Care. And I just want to say thank you to the church and Reverend Shen for having me, even though it's virtual, but it's still wonderful to connect with you. And uh, I'm speaking here from Ladang Care, Malaysian Care Sustainable Agriculture Training Center for Orang Asli and Orang Asal Communities here in Chenriang Perak. And before we reflect on God's Word, I just want to show you some of the latest things that we are doing. And uh, this latest project that we have been doing for over a year now is we are farming maggots. Now you wonder why are we farming maggots? In Semai, it is called Dirk Brenga, which means House of Maggots. And this is the BSF maggots black soldier fly, which we farm in order to feed chickens and fish. Now one of the things among the farmers, Orang Asli farmers, when they do livestock, uh, the most expensive element is actually the feed. And so what kind of feed can we produce uh, in the kampung, which is low cost, uh, but which is sustainable, and which can provide good economic returns uh, for the Orang Asli. And so we have been looking into this, how do we farm uh, maggots? And what we do is we build these beds uh, using mostly recycled material and we take kitchen waste or farm waste and then we put it inside the beds and here the black soldier fly will come and lay the eggs and the eggs become larvae and the larvae then as they mature are used to feed chickens and fish and uh, i just collected some uh, this morning and uh, just to show you some of the maggots that we have been cultivating so let me show you And this is what we have. These are black soldier fly maggots. And they are very healthy because they are 42% protein. And in fact, some researchers are looking into this seriously as future food, even for humans. So this is an innovation that we are testing out. And uh, we have been successful in producing them. And uh, when the Orang Asli come for training, we provide them with the know-how on how to develop their own uh, farming practices. So we're thankful again that we can do all this because of your continuing partnership with Malaysian Care. And I look forward that one day when the lockdown is over, you can come and visit us and see for yourself all the things that we are trying out here and training the Orang Asli to do. So without further ado, we will adjourn indoors for our biblical reflection. Well, we're now indoors, and so we're going to spend a little time to reflect on God's Word this morning. And the passage from which we will be doing that is taken from Ezekiel 37, verses 1 to 14. It is also the same passage from which Malaysian Care has chosen its theme for this year, The Lord Restores Life out of the grave. 
And it is a passage that I believe is uh, very appropriate uh, for all of us, even as we continue to be in the midst of the pandemic and the associated consequences of it. And we need to know what God is saying to us, even after more than a year being in such a difficult situation. Let us go to God in a word of prayer first. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. How many of you like to watch zombie movies? Um, I know it's a very popular genre nowadays. Personally, I'm not the biggest fan of zombie movies, but you know, it is so popular that you can see zombie movies almost everywhere nowadays. And it's not only just Hollywood that does zombie movies, but it's also, you know, even Korean shows now come with zombie themes. And it is something that many of us uh, may uh, find very interesting. Personally, while I'm not the biggest of fans, but they are quite interesting to watch sometimes. And of course, they can be quite amusing as well. Initially, when I started watching zombie movies, my first thought, of course, was uh, the traditional zombie movies that I've always watched. And that was from Chinese movies. Uh, I'm sure many of you remember, some of you, maybe not many of you, those of you who are in my age group, uh, the Chinese zombie movies were always dressed in Manchu official costumes. And, you know, they were called Kyongsi, you know, and they would all hop around like this uh, in order to get from one place to another. But, you know, as I read this passage in Ezekiel 37, uh, I have a nagging suspicion that actually the original idea for zombie movies came from this passage in Ezekiel 37. Because where else would you be able to find such a scene? Uh, a scene from only a science fiction movie could even uh, imagine. A scene of utter desolation and of death and life. A valley that is filled with dry bones. A sea of human skeletons that comes alive. We are into what now? Third wave? fourth wave, and really, friends, how many more waves do you think we can endure? As a nation, we reel from the impact of COVID-19 and the endless political turmoil that has been happening and the economic slump that is a consequence of the lockdowns and the poor management of how to address this pandemic. I think all of us as Malaysians, we are certainly feeling very downcast and uh, perhaps, you know, fearful for the future. And the question that arises for all of us who are the followers of Jesus Christ is, what is the church able to do? Are we as Christians and the church in Malaysia able to offer a message of hope? And I think this was the same question that came to the Israelites, the exiled Israelites, because the nation of Israel and Judah 
some 2,500 years ago, was a prosperous nation. And it had expanded during King David and Solomon's time. And uh, it was a rich country. And at that height of the expansion, the people who were in charge slowly began to lose their focus on God and all the things that God stood for, justice, righteousness. And it was then followed by years of political turmoil, uh, social inequality, and an erosion of their territorial integrity as more powerful neighbours became increasingly um, evident and taking over the land that God had given them earlier. The underlying cause of all these problems was basically that they had forgotten God and that they had forsaken His ways. So as a consequence of that, God allowed them to be conquered by their enemies. And because of that, we know first Assyria and subsequently Babylon conquered and exiled the people who God had given this land to. Defeated because of idolatry and injustice, the people of Israel had given up hope for the future. And the very symbols of Israel's unique identity as the covenant nation of God, Jerusalem and the temple in which many Israelites then found their identity was all but destroyed. And this basically, friends, is what sets the scene for Ezekiel 37, the passage that was read to you. Now, of course, when we read this passage, we can look at it as a personal message of our own dryness in our relationship with God. And certainly, it fits that category as well. But I think more importantly, this message is not so much directed at the individual level, but at nations. That when nations forsake God, and when nations turn away from God's ways of practicing righteousness, justice and mercy, the nation lays the foundation for its own death. Israel and Judah had both been guilty of that, and now they were bearing the consequences of those actions. The sea of bones that we see in the vision of Ezekiel is testament of the people's desolation and decay, both in the spiritual sense as well as in the social sense. And so, we read in this passage then how God gives Ezekiel a very surprising question, perhaps an impossible question. And he asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? You know, we find that in verse 3. And Ezekiel, I'm sure if we were in his shoes, we would be stumped as well for an answer. Because how would we know? And basically that's what Ezekiel says. I don't know. Only you, sovereign God, know whether these bones can live. But then God instructs Ezekiel 
to prophesy life into the bones. And indeed, this is where it really becomes like a zombie movie. The bones start to move. And then they reconstitute themselves. And the sinews start to join together. And then there's flesh that appears. And finally, skin. And so we have a body that is moving. In verse 7, it says, So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound. And behold, a rattling. The bones came together, bone to its bone. And I looked, and behold, there were sinews on them. And flesh had come upon them, and skin had covered them. But there was no breath in them. So now we see in this scene, the bones had reconstituted into a physical body, but there was still not life. And the missing ingredient was that the breath of God was still needed. In order to truly live, we need the breath of God in us. Verse 9 goes on to say, Then he said to me, Prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, and say to the breath, Thus says the Lord, Come from the four winds, O breath, and breathe on these slain, that they may live. So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Such was the faith of the exiled people of God. And so, while the remnants had survived physically, and eventually they returned to Palestine, they could not truly live until God had put his breath into them. And that is something that we would see in hindsight that God would do in the person of Jesus Christ, whose breath of life would go not only to Jerusalem and give life there, but it would go from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so that is an exceedingly great army indeed. And you and I, brothers and sisters, the Gentiles who receive this gift of life are part of that. We are the legacy of that breath of life that God first imparted through Jesus Christ into the Jewish nation. And now all over the world, there is this exceedingly great army who testify to the wonderful name of God. As we look at the state of the world and, of course, the state of our own nation today, Malaysia, I think God you know, is asking us a very similar question. Can these bones live? Can we ever get through this pandemic? Even as I looked at the numbers today, you know, they kept increasing and we are something like in the tens of thousands already. Can our country ever be free of corruption? Fundamentalism, religious fundamentalism, exploitation and all the politicking that is happening, that is exacerbating the fight against this pandemic. After successive changes in our government, things seem to be getting from bad to worse. What does God call us to do then in such times? What does He require of us as the church in this difficult season? 
I think the prophet Ezekiel is a fine example of how God's people should respond during uncertain times and, of course, during difficult times. And we can learn a lot from the prophet Ezekiel about how to navigate in today's situation. So let's look a bit at who was Ezekiel. Now, Ezekiel was one of the Jews uh, who were exiled to Babylon together with many of the other Israelites. Now, we know, of course, that he was married and he served as a priest to those who were exiled. And it was during the time that he was exiled that God called him to be a prophet. And I'm sure, you know, Ezekiel, like the rest of the Jews who were exiled and were living now in Babylon, he would similarly have harbored hopes that he could return to Jerusalem uh, very soon, that the exile would not be very long, and that he would one day go back to Jerusalem, and not only go back to Jerusalem, but find that Jerusalem would still be intact, that it would still be the way they had left it. But unfortunately, that was not to be, because it was while they were still in exile that Jerusalem and the temple was destroyed <coughs> by the Babylonians. For Ezekiel and the diaspora Jews there, it was not only a national disaster, but that it was something that touched at their very identity as a people, as a nation. But more so for Ezekiel, because it was also a very personal experience. Because we read in Ezekiel 24, how God told Ezekiel that his beloved wife, his wife, would also die. And that even though she was going to die, he was not to mourn openly for her as a sign to the rest of the people that they weren't to mourn openly for Jerusalem's destruction. This is what we call prophetic symbolism. And so Ezekiel's personal journey was then intertwined with the journey of their nation. And it would be a lesson that would be not only personal to Ezekiel about the suffering and uh, the, the recovery of his people, but also it was to be a lesson for the rest of the people of Israel whom he prophesied to. We see a similar situation that happened with Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea as well. Sometimes, friends, we are puzzled why God would allow such an intertwining of experiences, of the personal as well as the national situation. But I think we are reminded that this experience is something that God himself went through. And there's no greater example than how God sacrificed his one and only begotten son. Jesus would die on the cross 
and his death on the cross to God was not just a historical and a theological event that brought salvation to you and I, but it was also an intensely personal experience for God because it was his one and only begotten Son who died for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. And so we see that Ezekiel's prophetic mission was difficult both on a personal level because his wife died and he could not mourn openly for her death as well as at the societal level. The exiled Jews, the diaspora Jews weren't happy with the things that Ezekiel was prophesying because all of them were looking forward to returning to the promised land in a very short while. And that not only were they going to return very soon, but that there won't be much changes to it. But Ezekiel's prophecy from God was very different. And Ezekiel could not prophesy anything else other than what God had already showed him. And so Ezekiel was obedient to the message and he was committed to his call, even if humanly it seemed like something that was impossible or even ridiculous to do. But friends, with God, all things are possible. Amen? Indeed, we live in a time when more and more the world needs to hear and experience the hope and love that only Jesus can give. You know, inequality was already a problem before the pandemic uh, began. The gap between the rich and the poor had already widened. But with the pandemic, it has become even wider between the rich and the poor. Many people are experiencing what the Israelites experienced in Ezekiel's time, the loss of all hope. And that's why we see in verse 11, it says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. And their reply was, They say, Our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. Everything seems lost for the people of Israel. But friends, when all seems lost, God sends a message of hope through his people. When all seems lost in what is happening in our nation today, God sends a message of hope through you and I, the people who, him, who he has called to serve him and to bring good news to our nation. Verse 12, it says, Therefore prophesy and say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says, My people, I am going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken 
and I have done it, declares the Lord. Friends, nothing is impossible for God. He restores life out of the grave, and He does so abundantly, like a vast army. No situation is too small or too big for God to bring restoration, whether it is in our individual lives or in the life of our nation. And so we can see how the dry bones become a great army because God put his breath of life into it. And we can see from the cross, the cross where sacrifice overcame death in the resurrection. God restores life out of the grave. And it is because Jesus overcame death and he rose again to bring life to each and every one of us. We need not look any further than to the cross and the empty tomb to be assured that there is victory over the grave. What then can we do as Christians then in this time? We can be conduits of hope. Through us, God's hope can be shared to those who have lost their hope. We have an opportunity to actively demonstrate the love of God to those who are suffering, to those who are in need. You know, friends, one positive thing that I kept hearing over and over again since this pandemic started from my colleagues as well as from uh, Christians who were reaching out to those who were in difficulty in churches as well as in other ministries. What I kept hearing from them was that when the pandemic started and you know people got into lockdown and were confined to the to to their homes, they felt downcast. You know, I'm sure just like you and I, we feel that as well. But what dispelled this feeling of despair, of desolation, was the focus on helping others. When we are determined to help others who are even worse off, then God gives us hope as well. And so when we deliver hope, we find hope as well. And so many people started delivering food aid to families who were poor and were in lockdown. You know, uh, among our staff in Malaysian care and the volunteers that came around, we were reaching out to urban poor and rural poor and even to the prisons. Uh, these not only gave hope to them, but it gave hope to us to give us a message and a desire to carry on. And it's not only just delivering aid, simple things like keeping in conversation with people who are isolated, who are facing mental stress. You know, the statistics tell us how many people, how many more people are facing mental health uh, problems because of the stress of being confined to their homes or the stress of losing their jobs. <clears throat> we can pray for frontliners, even in these difficult times, for those who 
have fallen sick because of COVID or because of the attending consequences. By doing this, it helps us overcome fear and focus on the needs of others. Ultimately, what happens is that when we do all this, it brings hope to those who are suffering and it glorifies the name of the Lord. You know, friends, let me conclude with this. History tells us that Ezekiel's prophetic ministry lasted for about 22 years, and after which he led a peaceful life, but it was still a life of captivity in Babylon. In fact, today you can go and find Ezekiel's tomb somewhere in Iraq, which tells us, brothers and sisters, that Ezekiel never saw for himself the fulfillment of God's promise to restore Israel to its land. And of course, you know, we may well think that what a shame, and certainly so. Perhaps that is what many of us would feel as well that Ezekiel never saw the fulfillment of that promise. But you know, friends, I think for Ezekiel, although I'm sure he would have yearned to return to Jerusalem, the promised land, it was never a factor that influenced his desire and commitment to be obedient and faithful to the, to the task that God had called him to do. His mission was to prophesy to Israel about judgment, about repentance and hope. And this he did unwaveringly. Friends, in these uncertain and trying times, we may not see with our own eyes the fulfillment of God's restoration for our nation. But if we are faithful and determined and committed as Ezekiel was, it will not cause us to lose our focus, to complete the task that he has called us to do. And so, may we prophesy life in whatever circumstance into the dry bones of our communities and into the life of our nation and bring hope in Jesus' name to them all. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord, for this day. And thank you, Lord, for speaking through us through this passage in Ezekiel 37. Lord, we see the valley of dry bones happening all around us in our own nation, Lord. The pandemic, the economic slum, the political turmoil, the inequality. Lord, in our own minds, we cannot do anything and we lose hope ourselves. But Lord, you call us as your people to prophesy life into these dry bones, to be the conduits for your breath of life so that our nation may live, so that our communities, Lord, would thrive again. And so that one day, all of us here 
may glorify your name and acknowledge that you, O Lord Jesus, are King and Lord of all and sovereign over our nation. And so, Lord, I just want to pray for all my brothers and sisters in Christ in the church that, Lord, we will not grow weary, we will not grow tired. You will give us the strength and the perseverance, Lord, to continue to prophesy life into the bones of our nation and our communities. And from there, we will see a great miracle, a vast army rise up because you, O Lord, restore life out of the grave. We thank you, we give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen.